So the sermon and scripture reading part of this morning are going to be a little bit different than normal, so I'll give you a quick roadmap of what to expect. The scripture we are reading is this beautiful story from the Gospel of John in which Jesus meets a woman from Samaria, and it's a long story. Uh, We won't read all of it, but we'll read most of it. And to do that, without losing at least my attention, We'll read a little segment of it, and then I'll try to unpack that part some, and then we'll read another segment and back and forth. And then uh, for sticking with me through all this, I'll throw a little something special in at the end. Um, But now, uh, let's, uh, Sandy. Please stand as you are able for the reading of this morning's scripture. John 4, 5 through 30. John 4, 5 through 9. So he came to a Sumerian city called Sychar, near the, I'm sorry, (laughs) plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So when I think of acceptance, I think of Jesus, of course, Throughout his life, Jesus demonstrates a radical acceptance of tax collectors, of zealots, of lepers, of women, of not-so-bright fishermen, of high-minded Pharisees. Jesus doesn't accept everyone, but he accepts the people most other people don't, especially in the story that we are journeying through. So acceptance, Jesus, they go together like peanut butter and jelly. Um, Just works. And another person who started coming to my mind more recently uh, when I think of acceptance is Dolly Parton. Um, Yes, that Dolly Parton, country music star, Dolly. Um, I didn't grow up listening to Dolly, but over the past five or so years, she's hit my cultural radar, better late than never. Um, It actually started with a podcast called Dolly Parton's America, hosted by Jad Abumrad. It's really phenomenal podcast if you're into that kind of thing. And Jad was able to capture something about Dolly which seemed significant to me. And he actually talks about this directly in a, a, another podcast thing, a TED Radio Hour interview with Manusha Marodi. And Jad explains it this way. You go to a Dolly concert. You see men in trucker hats standing next to men in drag, Democrats standing next to Republicans, women holding hands, every different kind of person smashed together. All of these people that we are told should hate each other are there singing together. She, Dolly, somehow carved out this unique space in America. And Jad says, I wanted to know how did she do that? So since hearing all that, I've paid a little bit more attention to Dolly and seen some of that from afar. Um, I think she truly accepts everyone in her life. Most recently, I watched her host a New Year's Eve program with Miley Cyrus, and she was fully there, fully present in whatever weird stuff Miley brought to the table. Um, Dolly does 
more, of course, than just lip service to her fans and all the wild arrangement of people in her life. She's also donated so much to education efforts and has spoken up for the rights of all people, even in times and places where it could not have been comfortable doing so. So I essentially had that same question as Jad in his podcast. We have Jesus, we have Dolly, we have so many great pillars of acceptance in our world. How do they do that? And how can we follow their example, especially in spaces and situations which seem so divisive and tense and primed for disconnect? The beginning of the story that we just read in John, Jesus meets a woman of Samaria at a well, and it illustrates such a space and situation of division and disconnect. We can learn a lot from what Jesus has to overcome in the story of meeting a Samaritan woman by the well. Jesus was a Jewish man. The woman was a Samaritan. These two people groups were geographical neighbors who shared a faith and a history, and yet they hated each other. By Jesus' time, the animosity between Jews and Samaritans boiled down to two main causes. First, Samaritans were largely descended from intermarriage between Israelites and other conquering nations, like the Assyrians, who resettled people from their own land in the territories they captured. On top of that, there were religious matters of where to worship God, as the woman and Jesus discuss later in the story. The Samaritans worshipped at a shrine at Mount Gerizim, while the Jews insisted that only the temple in Jerusalem should be used. And on top of this Jew-Samaritan divide, there's a gender divide here, too. This was probably not the first or last time that Jesus had a private conversation with a woman separated from her community, but every time he does it, we are reminded of how radical Jesus was in the company that he kept. And we need look no further than the disciples' reaction later in the story at finding Jesus and see how unusual this meeting is, how uncomfortable it made others feel, even those who had been with Jesus for some time and knew what he was about. Jesus is breaking through a lot in this story, unfair gender norms and generations of hatred. He's basically hosting a Dolly Parton concert. While the specific things that pose barriers to acceptance are unique to the time and place of Jesus in the story, they shed a light on what we struggle with too. Some of the things that keep us from being as accepting as Jesus and Dolly. Because I really believe that if you ask those disciples with Jesus, do you accept all people? I bet they would say, of course. Jesus accepts all people, we accept all people. But I don't think they really do. They question in their hearts why Jesus would be doing this. They aren't bold enough to question Jesus out loud, but they're not comfortable with how Jesus offers acceptance to this specific person through real action in a way that affirms and celebrates her just how she is. It's much easier to stop at a general level and then get wary about specific people from South Dallas, I mean Samaria, who come into our lives. It's much easier to stop at acceptance as an idea and not live it out in real actions with Palestinians. I mean, well, Samaria and Palestine are basically the same place. It's much easier to stop at acceptance and not go on to real celebration of people with different gender identities and races. I mean, Samaritans, of course. Just as Jesus challenges his disciples and earlier followers, I believe Jesus challenges us 
to an even deeper level of acceptance than we tend to offer. An acceptance that breaks through those social structures and misunderstandings and defensiveness and connects to the real power of loving our neighbors as ourselves. Real people through real actions on their own terms. So, let's see how Jesus sets this example for getting past these problems to some real acceptance. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well? and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus demonstrates radical acceptance through the powerful act of sharing with this woman what he calls living water. I believe living water is the sign and the action of acceptance. It's how Jesus and Dolly do what they do. I don't know about you, but my goodness, I feel the need of some living water right now on every level of life in this world. So I really want to figure it out, figure out what it is and how to get it. Yet, even after a lot of prayer, I just don't know that it's possible to completely distill what living water is. I'm content to wonder about it because I think it's far deeper and more expansive than I could ever comprehend. To start, water cleanses. It refreshes. It quenches. It also erodes. It gives life. It makes us into the best versions of ourselves and so many other things. A few chapters after this passage, Jesus mentions the living water again. In the middle of crowds, he says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, Out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. That sounds really nice, but not much clearer on exactly what is this living water thing, Jesus. We want to know what it is. Right after he says these things, the crowd is divided. Some think he's a prophet, others want to arrest him. Not a great response if we're hoping to see how living water can offer an alternative to the vicious divisions among us. Some water does cut the deepest of canyons. But then if we read one more story on in the Gospel of John, we see a scene where a bunch of men are about to stone a woman caught in adultery. And Jesus steps in saying, if any of you is without sin, you can throw the first stone. They all walk away. The living water has flowed on to diffuse a tense situation. The living water has welled up to reveal wrongs and protect the discriminated against. And it does so with a bit of ferocity and humiliating the men and their unjust actions. So as I keep reading and wondering about this elusive living water, I find that it floods into spaces 
where people are at an impasse. And as it flows away, we see that it has renewed and baptized into divine justice and less enmity, even if people can't agree. Sometimes it brings together, sometimes it separates, but it always transforms. And it's important to note that in all these cases, Jesus is the water, not us or what we do. So while I think it's important to accept the mystery that is living water, we do so by allowing room for God to be the space between us and others. It is God who reconciles differences, and we who work with God in that effort, effort, jumping into the stream. When I come back to how the living water enters the scene in the moment of acceptance between Jesus and the Samaritan woman, I can't ignore it that it's about sharing a drink, something intimate and celebratory, something life-giving on so many levels. The divine presence, which is living water, comes into this woman's life through an intimate and radical connection made possible through an alternative space that Jesus creates. Jesus is able to cultivate an alternative way that Jews and Samaritans, men and women, could interact. Instead of separate but equal utensils, he shares her cup. Instead of taking turns at the well, he shares the space with her. He pushes aside group rally cries in order to share and extend community belonging to this specific person. By entertaining the woman's profound questions, Jesus shows an alternative way men and women can interact equally. And you know what? I think Dolly Parton does that too. She creates this alternative space by centering her audience on something valuable while also affirming everyone's value. In the Dolly podcast, Jad Abumrad calls this the third space Dolly establishes. And he says it's not just common ground in which you take two people who couldn't be more different and try to find something they share, which usually means they both have to dumb themselves down in order to find the most basic thing in common. Rather, the space of living water is a third space of creation, a place of song and soul and love, a space in which we see the other person before us and value them fully. Living water keeps us focused on the main thing, but it doesn't ignore affirming and celebrating the lives of the people around us. And in doing that, it quenches our thirst for love and belonging. We can see all the difference the living water makes in the rest of this interaction between Jesus and the woman of Samaria. So let's listen to the last part. John 4, 16 through 30. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, The hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. 
God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then, his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, What do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come here and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. So most of us will not spend a lot of time at Wells meeting people we don't know. It's just not the life we live in 2023. But I believe what we see in the rest of this conversation here shows us what it might look like for us to be sharers of living water in the world we inhabit now. The thing Jesus does to offer acceptance is really listen to the woman and her profound theological questions. It's easy to get caught up in the first dialogue about husbands and try to map out this woman's personal life. But you know what? Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't comment on the woman's personal life at all. He doesn't weaponize her past or current relationship status against her. He doesn't shame her for any of it. When Jesus asks her about her husband, he accepts her with dignity and respect. The more significant thing that happens here is an open and honest conversation about worship. This woman engages Jesus in one of the more profound theological questions of the Bible, certainly more interesting than just about anything the male disciples ask Jesus in their time with him. And Jesus is all for it. He sees in this moment she is a disciple and encourages that in her. He's creating the same kind of third space Dolly Parton does through music. In doing so, Jesus demonstrates how acceptance is about encountering someone in spirit and truth. He doesn't bear her presence with reservations or allow her to listen to a theological discussion without fully joining in. He really shares things in common, not just a cup of literal water, but the fullness of his attention and ministry. He listens to her. He values her. He treats her as an equal, offering her everything he has offered his other 12 followers. He allows this woman of Samaria in, in full acceptance and love. So the nature of living water may be a mystery, but sharing it is not. The Jesus method of acceptance goes far beyond welcoming everyone in the doors. It involves creating a space in which all people feel truly valued. Then we see the impact of Jesus' acceptance. This woman immediately becomes an apostle for Jesus. The story ends with the woman telling her whole village about Jesus. She, who is likely ignored by others, is made a preacher a central point in Jesus' ministry to those some others had feared and written off. And she is immediately successful in a way that the male disciples are not at this point. They misunderstand Jesus while she converts her whole town. Jesus' acceptance is not just a general idea. Jesus accepts a specific person in a tangible way as fully as possible. The way Jesus shares living water with this woman guides how I think I should accept everyone, and then celebrate whatever fruit that I see them bear. And I promised a little something special for sticking with me through the sermon. 
If you haven't figured out what that might be, I just have to say, what's the point of talking about Dolly Parton and not sing one of her songs? Um, so as Aaron comes up to help me, I'll share why we're going to perform Dolly Parton's Coat of Many Colors. In Coat of Many Colors, Dolly sings about an actual coat her mama made her, which gave her confidence and self-worth. I'm willing to bet that Dolly meant this song to be fairly literal about her early experiences with wealth inequality and intrinsic value. But I also think there's a lot of value in a symbolic reading of this song. Dolly conveys the significance of how each unique piece of this coat has its own value, and they can exist together by finding common purpose and helping one another. Like Jesus, Dolly recognizes that through acceptance, there might just be a thread to bind those different pieces of cloth together into a coat of many colors. Back through the years I go wandering once again Back to the seasons of my youth And I recall the box of rags that someone gave us And how my mama put those rags to use There were rags of many colors But every piece was small And I didn't have a coat it was way down in the fall My mama sewed those rags together Sewing every piece with love She made my coat of many colors That I was so proud of As she sewed, she told a story From the Bible she had read About a coat of many colors Joseph wore and then she said Perhaps this coat will bring you Good luck and happiness And I just couldn't wait to wear it And Mama blessed it with a kiss My coat of many colors That my mama made for me Made only from rags But I wore it so proudly And although we had no money I was rich as I could be With my coat of many colors my mama made for me. So with patches on my britches and holes in both my shoes, in my coat of many colors, I hurried off to school just to see the others laughing and making fun of me. In my coat of many colors, my mama made for me. I couldn't understand it For I felt I was rich And I told them of the love My mama sewed in every stitch And I told them all the story Mama told me while she sewed And how my coat of many colors Was worth more than all their clothes They didn't understand it And I tried to make them see that one is only poor, only if they choose to be. And I know we had no money, but I was rich as I could be. In my coat of many colors, my mama made for me, made just for me.
I'd argue that thread holding together our coat of many colors is holy living water. And even in times when one person cannot be sewn directly next to another because of abuse, for instance, other patches come on in the living water thread to maintain the space between all the pieces. Yet again, another mystery of that living water that can create a space of acceptance through community, through listening, through valuing, through celebrating, through sharing a cup of living water fully and freely. When that happens, I think we can see and know that love wins through acceptance. Would you join me in prayer? Oh God, thank you for the living water that you have offered to us, not only this day, but every day of our lives. May it sustain us and guide us to be a people that can offer such water to others as well. Amen.